This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 316 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by EasySignsOnline.com, EchoSketch, and TotalSaddleFit.com. Today we've got a big show. Dr. Mark Wooten from the Equine Performance Veterinary and Rehabilitation Therapy is here to talk to us about MRIs. Lisa Rakes, captain of the Lexington Horse Park Mounted Police, is going to talk to us a little bit about some, uh, some groundwork and some young horse training. Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Fergus, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show with our expert producer today, <laughs> Coach Jan. <laughs> you still owe me a beer. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I know. We're having some we're having some troubles today. If if anyone doesn't know, we're, we're trying to get this show done. <laughs> it, it, no troubles. Music. It's all fine. Yeah. It's gonna it's, be fine. Yeah, it's that kind of day where you go out to the pasture to, to Catch your horse to give him breakfast. He's he's at the opposite end of the field, and by the time you get out there, he's run to the gate, and and by the time you walk to the gate, he's gotten pissed off and rolled in dirt, and yeah, it's that kind of day. <laughs> it is for sure. Well, as always, it's very fun to have you guys, and it's uh, it's going to be a great show. Uh, we're going to start with Dr. Mark Wooten from the Equine Performax Veterinary Rehabilitation Therapy Center, and he's going to talk to us with a great discussion about MRI. This week's EasySignsOnline.com Spotlight product is their New England-style farm signs, their most popular line of signs. New England-style farm signs are very durable and designed for long-term outdoor use with no maintenance required, no wood to rot, and no paint to peel. They will outlast the old-style painted wood signs by many, many years. They are available in many sizes, shapes, and styles, which makes them the perfect sign for any farm or business. Go online today and go through the EasySignsOnline.com easy step-by-step ordering process to see all the prices and options available. They also offer free, no-obligation sign proofs on all New England-style signs. And you get free shipping as well on all New England-style signs. So replace your old worn-out sign and make a great first impression with a new farm sign from EasySignsOnline.com. And I'm so pleased to welcome to the, to the Dressage Radio Show Dr. Mark Wooten of Equine Performax Veterinary and Rehabilitation Therapy Services at the Jekyll Center near Nashville, Tennessee. And he's going to be here talking about the Hallmark Standing Equine MRI. Well, uh, great to be with you. Um, yeah, it's, it's, we've had it at our facility for a little over a year now. Uh, it's a standing MRI, which the key phrase there is standing. The horses are, do not require general anesthesia like they do for uh, most any other type of equine uh, MRI. Uh, so these horses, they do have some mild sedation and uh, uh, they're put in the uh, magnet and they're there for, uh, depending on what we're scanning, for an uh, hour and a half, two hours, and then they're right back out and, and ready to go home the same day. 
so it's uh, it's uh, a real advantage as far as that goes. The uh, the fact that you're not putting the horse to sleep is, is, is huge. Uh, and another big factor that we found too, typically we are keeping those horses overnight. Uh, we uh, we'll put the horse in the magnet. The uh, images that we generate are sent to Dr. Natasha Werpe. She's a radiologist at the University of Florida. Uh, she was prior to that, she was at Colorado State uh, University uh, at the vet school. And she does a tremendous job of reading these MRIs for us. And uh, the, a, a really important thing is sometimes with these cases, after we blocked them and localized the pain, we think to the foot, there's been a few cases that Dr. Werpe said, you know, I'm not seeing the kind of problems here that are would be causing the degree of lameness that you're telling me. Let's put the horse back in the magnet and go farther up the leg and look at that area, which, uh, you know, would be very difficult to do in a situation where the horse was just recovered from a general anesthesia. But in our right. situation, uh, we're able to just put them right back in the magnet. And I've been amazed at, at some of these cases where we are finding lesions. is not really where we would thought it would have been based on the diagnostic blocks that we're using. So it's kind of created a real fly in the ointment when it comes to evaluating our blocks. Uh, I've had a few, uh, a couple of horses that block very sound to a, a heel block, you know, the low block that we do in the foot. And yeah. end up finding the lesion up near the fetlock. Hmm. So, well, uh, I think it's all—it's all connected, isn't it, Doctor Mark? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, there's the—we <laughs> uh, used to think uh, the 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 very the, the blocks were very specific, but like I said, they're not. And and how far that block travels up the nerve, or how far the actual anesthetic uh, solution moves around farther proximal or up the leg. Uh, we really don't know in a lot of situations. So it's been very interesting in that uh, we have found a few cases that, boy, we had to put them right back in the magnet. And like I say, the advantage with the, the Hallmark standing is that we're able to just put them right back in as opposed to putting them through another general anesthesia. Can you describe the, the look of the machine? I mean, does it take, it take up an entire room? The, uh, the, the MRI unit that we have from Hallmark is in a, it's it's in its own modular room. They actually built the uh, the room in England. Uh, all the construction was done in England. Then it was shipped over to the U.S. And it's a freestanding building that's attached onto the rest of the uh, the facility there. Uh, that the horse, you know, you can't even tell that it wasn't actually built into it. But uh, our system is is a like I said, it's a little modular building that was gener uh, built specifically for the MRI magnet. You have to be real specific about the lining of the, uh, yeah. the wall yeah. so that there isn't any interference of the magnet while you're while you're running the while you're running the scan. So you can you can do the whole horse, right, head to toe? Well, no, this is strictly lower limb, and okay. they're all about that way. Uh, MRIs are well. With some of the MRIs, you can do heads and that sort of thing. We can't do a head with the, the hallmark standing. It's pretty much it's specific for the for the lower limb, which in most of our cases that's really where we're mostly interested in. You know, yeah, in horses uh, for sure. Right, and you know, if if it is requiring something like that, a, a, a head or something like that, no, we don't do those. But 
uh, where we're really focusing our, our lower limb issues. Now, for anybody that's not familiar with uh, with the MRI technology, can you describe, you know, fairly quickly and in, in layman's terms, hopefully, how the MRI can help you diagnose issues? Well, it, it's able to generate images not just of bone like an x-ray or not just of soft tissue like an ultrasound, but you see the entire picture. You see everything. And I think a, a, a good way of describing MRI is looking for, looking for fluid, where it should be and where it shouldn't be. And uh, uh, a lot of times what we're seeing with our images is, okay, there's an increased fluid density inside a bone. Uh, and that's one of the things that we really pick up that has been very beneficial is you can x-ray a bone and you're not going to detect any type of bone bruise or swelling or edema within that bone. But the MRI will actually pick up that because you're not really, you're getting a physiological image of what's going on in the structure rather than necessarily just a structural image. Uh, I hope that right. makes sense. But like I said, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's looking for fluid that yeah, generally, generally you're looking for the edema that is a consequence of, of some sort of structural damage, correct? Correct, correct, exactly. And you're not going to pick that up in a, in a bone with an x-ray. And the, uh, uh, there's a lot of things that uh, with the ultrasound, we can, we can pick up a lot with it. But I think the, uh, the sensitivity of the MRI is so much greater than what we're getting with with the, with the ultrasound image, and and there are certain parts, particularly in the feet. I think that's where most often veterinarians are really looking for help in a aiding in a diagnosis of what's going on with with a particular horse is what's going on in the feet, because all, all we have is X-ray, and we can't really. And there's so many potential soft tissue injuries inside the foot that we can ultrasound that area. Well, we have a, a limited area that we can ultrasound. Uh, very small, right. Uh, right. whereas the MRI will give us all those structures that we that we had no, we have no other way of, of, of seeing uh, other than MRI. Now, traditionally, the the drawback of doing an MRI is the general anesthesia. You know, not all not all horses are are great. You know, to to put them under anesthesia. So this the standing one is a, is a great benefit. Exactly, I think that you know we were when when uh, Teresa. Uh, brought us into uh, her facility. One thing she asked, she says, I want to have everything that there's possible to have. So, you know, I said, well, if you really want to have everything, you need an MRI. So we we started investigating, looking around, and we really saw the benefit of, of the standing procedure as opposed to the knockdown procedure. So the, there are some disadvantages, to be quite honest with you, with, with the standing MRI. It is a yep. low-field magnet as opposed to a high-field magnet that most of the, the knockdown MRIs are, and so there is a bit more image quality and a few things that they're going to see a little better, but I kind of equate it to, okay, you're looking at a regular television or you're looking at a high-resolution television. You're going to see right. the same picture, maybe just a little right. prettier picture, but, but other than that, I think the advantages of the uh, not going through a general anesthesia are so, are so much that uh, I, I, that's why we decided to go with the Hallmark. Uh, MRI yeah. and, and and over the years they have really done a great job of, of perfecting their their MRI uh, and their, and their images. Uh, they they've done a tr- tremendous job of that. Initially, 
some of the images weren't that great, and there was concern about the least little bit of motion. If, if anybody's ever had an MRI, you know how still they want you to be when you're right. in the when you're in the magnet, where they've developed their software where they can they can weed out some of those problems from the slightest little motion, and, and it's not a problem anymore. So the images that we're that we're getting from the Hallmark standing MRI are, are, are really are really good. Now, are there any are there any other drawbacks to an MRI for somebody who doesn't have experience with it? I mean, it's not. I think no no machine is the be all end all in diagnosis. So maybe you want to talk right. a little bit about some complications or or issues if there are any. Well, you know, I, I don't know that we we we've had any real complications. I'll be honest with you. It, it you know you get so much information back as a veterinarian. I'm going okay. Let me try and correlate all this with what I'm seeing, and, and, yeah. and I think we're still we're still trying to. Okay, we see this, and is this something that um, is just kind of goes along with 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 a performance animal that's worked hard, and how much of it is interpreting right. our results, how much of this is really something that is that is clinically significant and causing our problems, and how much of this is just the the, the wear and tear that you'll see with a uh, with any any athlete. It was interesting uh, with a meeting with the uh, Hallmark folks. They, the uh, the man who started the company was telling us that he 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 used to be in human MRIs, and the company that he was with did a lot in England with the soccer teams evaluating the uh, the soccer players prior to signing them to a team. And he said they saw a, they got used to seeing a lot of stuff in those soccer players that uh, they just kind of overlooked. And he also yeah. said it was interesting. Yeah, yeah. Some of those teams actually wanted to see players that had wear and tear and issues that were continuing to play as opposed to some guy that was perfectly normal and had nothing because they didn't know how he would respond if he ever was injured. So I thought, well, that's pretty interesting that, you know, they wanted to see, you know, just how, yeah. what kind of pain tolerance an individual had. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and we see that with some of our horses. I mean, we look at x-rays on some horses and go, oh, my gosh, how's he? ever performing and and they continue to go right on and you look at other horses and of course you, you don't really see anything and and, and and that's where a big benefit with mri i've seen a few horses that that uh you know navicular shots and that sort of thing look perfectly normal and right. on the mri the bone was very swollen very edematous and in a lot of pain so without that we didn't we we wouldn't know really what was going on in that so it's really been a, a huge plus yeah, I'm glad that you, that you brought that up because it, it is, I mean, the more information you have, the better, but then you have to decide, I think the term you you used was great, was, you know, clinical significance of what you're looking at, right? Because you can you right, can exactly. go in there and find a whole lot more problems than what you were really looking for. And, uh, exactly. you know, as a veterinarian, exactly. how do you how do you go about that, you know, determining what information is useful and, and what what is not after you do the MRI? I'll be quite honest with you, Philip. We're, we're, I think that's a work in progress. I mean, each yeah. case is kind of taken individually. Of, of, of let's look at this and, and see what we've got, and then you know, some some of them are, are very easy. You know, if you've got a horse that's got a, a tremendous amount of bone edema, you know, okay, let's let's shut this guy down. He, we just have to give the rest is the only thing that's going to really help that. I mean, there are some other things that we do therapeutically, but still, the horse is going to have to be shut down, and it does give us a we we see something like that we go okay that's going to heal we give that time it's going to be okay other things we see like maybe some uh uh 
collateral ligament injuries around the uh, coffin joint there where there's a lot of, uh, of bone uh, uh, lysis and, and, and loss of bone density around that attachment. Those guys don't do so good. You know, we just seem to have problems with those guys coming back. So a big factor in MRI is actually giving us prognosis, you know, and do we have, do we have any type of injury here that boy, these guys can come back and that sort of thing. So I think we're still working our way through that. There's certain things like I saw a horse, we had a horse the other day that had a severe adhesion of the deep flexor tendon to the navicular bone. And yeah. that doesn't carry a very good prognosis for us to be quite honest with you. It's hard to tell the owner that, Oh yeah, we do this and everything's going to be fine. So um, I think that's where we're really starting to develop uh, a, a database of, okay, this is an injury that carries a good prognosis with, you know, some healing, some therapy that we can do. And, and, or this is a type of injury that we probably are going to have some chronic issues with. And, you know, my, that, that horse's future is maybe in question, but yeah, it does well, it give sounds you like that, it's just, you know, the more information. information. Yeah. The, the more that you get, the more experience you have with the machine, the more diagnoses that you do the better you get at it. That's just, I think that's part of yeah, being a veterinarian. Exactly. So I, I was interested in your answer to that question. Yeah. It was, you know, it, it's one of those kind of cases you find this, you go, maybe we won't, don't want to keep going around this circle trying to treat this horse because this is going to, this probably isn't ever going to get fully, uh, uh, resolved. It's just going to be a chronic issue for its entire life. And, and you're able to find that kind of information with the MRI as opposed to what we were able to do with our, our previous imaging modality. So, uh, it's, 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 it's a work in progress and it's a, still a learning thing, but we're, it's, it's, it's been a real plus And, and I think in the years to come, uh, it's going to become more and more, uh, something that we rely on. And I think in a lot of places, you know, with the upper level horses, it's actually even being used as a tool in pre-purchase exam also. Right, right, right. You know, so, Dr. Uh, Meyer, can we talk a little bit about the cost of using the MRI or, or, or getting your horse in to, to have an MRI done? Yeah. Uh, our fee is uh, uh, for specific areas $2,300. That's for the okay. first one. Now, on repeats, it goes down from there. I think the first repeat is $1,900. The second repeat is $1,600. So, it's really nice to be able to you know, get that reduction in price and, and reevaluate these horses to, to see how our healing's going. And, and we, it's also been really nice. Uh, we're kind of starting to correlate it with, okay, uh, with our other therapeutic modality. We try and get these horses back moving as quickly as possible uh, after injury, and we're using them in the treadmill and that sort of thing. And it's been really nice to see, okay, we've got them in the treadmill. They seem to be doing okay with it. Let's rescan it and see if we're actually doing any structural right. damage to it. So right. far, those horses have actually continued to improve in spite of, you know, not just setting them in the stall like we did in the past, but actually getting them back into some type of, of physical rehabilitation. Well, for, for sure, it's going to help your your ability to, to uh, like you said, speed up the healing and just do the best things for the horses if you can continue to evaluate how they're doing and how they're healing or not healing and and you can adjust your program and and the whole thing just gets better and better doesn't it yes it does exactly uh, it, it you know it's it's another great tool and uh it, it, as many tools tools as we can have in the box the better off we're going to be and 
and this is proving to be an excellent tool for uh, uh, determining those horses that we really think that we can we can rehabilitate and bring back, and and also not beating our head against the wall on a horse that probably has some injuries that we're not going to get him back to the the level of work and that sort of thing. Well, there's certainly right. nothing more frustrating for a competitor than chasing their tail around for six months or a year trying to figure out why the horse is having an issue. And this sounds like a very, very useful tool for not just diagnosing, but also uh, tracking the progression towards getting back to work. So uh, I would like to thank you again, Dr. Mark Wooten from Equine Performax Veterinary and Rehabilitation Therapy Services. That's a real mouthful over there at the Jekyll Center. <laughs> and, yes, it is. Yes, it is. And folks can find Dr. Wooten, and you can go online to thejekyllcenter.com. And that's hard to spell, so you can go to dressageradioshow.com online, and we'll have a link there to it. Or if you Google it, uh, it'll come right up. And thanks you again, Dr. J- Dr. Wooten. It was great to be with you guys again. Enjoyed it very much. Glenn the Geek here. The life of horse person is hard enough, and we all hate doing the required paperwork, and unfortunately many of us never get around to it, and it just piles up on our desk. That is about to change thanks to the Equisketch Records app for your iPhone or iPad. My wife and I use it to track our horses, and we absolutely love this thing. Equisketch Records is the most thorough and complete equestrian records app on the market today. We love this app because you can track your farrier work, your dental, your Coggins, medicines, worming, and so much more. And you can get reminders on your device when all of these things are due. You'll never forget a worming or shots or farrier visit again. But it not only tracks your horse, you can also manage your horse shows, including individual events. You can manage riders, including lessons and memberships and so much more. And you can sync it between your iPhone and your iPad. And all of this for the price of a couple of cups of coffee from Starbucks. Search for Equisketch Records in the iOS App Store or go to Equisketch.com. That's E-Q-U-I-S-K-E-T-C-H.com. Equisketch.com. Well, everybody knows how much Philip and I love the Total Saddle Fit Shoulder Relief Girth. We really, we use it all the time. We love it. Uh, Both of us have had issues with um, horses being girthy and we put this girth on and, and fantastic. So actually I use it on pretty much all my horses. However, last week, or maybe two weeks ago, um, I actually brought in my old retired mare. Uh, her name is uh, Meep, or I showed her under Jamaica and uh, she's 24 and uh, she's been actually off for two years. And I thought, I have a wonderful working student who needed a horse to ride. And, you know, I own this horse that did. She's not been off. She's been making babies and stuff. She, yeah, she made babies. And then, you know, I retired her and that kind of stuff. And so she's been off. And and um, I just decided, you know what, I needed a horse. And I thought, well, let me see if she's 24 now. But let me see if she can come up and and, and work a little bit. And, uh, and I will tell you, she's so excited to be up and working every day. They, she just loves it. She gets like, she trots up to the barn. It's so cool to see her sort of back in work and having a job again. But let me tell you what, Big Mama is her nickname. Big Mama is so <laughs> fat. Like she's been muzzled since like March, but she's so fat. So somehow another girth got on her and it gave her this, the worst rub. It was terrible. I felt so bad for her because she's had fat rolls. She's so fat. 
Um, and I was like, why did you not put the shoulder relief girth on her? Um, and I honestly, we put that shoulder relief girth on and we've had absolutely zero trouble with the girth rub. So that is another success story that I've had here in my own barn. Um, we are working on big mama's weight. I don't know how she's like breathing the grass. I don't know. She's so fat. Um, <laughs> baby but, weight. Reese is yeah, just baby weight. She had a baby, like her baby's three. So, you know, I, I, I have not had children, so I'm not going down that road, but, um, yeah, no, I think it's just a beautiful Kentucky grass she's been eating on, but, um, yeah, she's working on it. But let me tell you, um, I hadn't used it on such an obese horse, uh, before the shoulder relief girth and it's been fantastic. So just another wonderful, uh, tip to use the shoulder relief girth. It's great. And I will, I'll keep you all apprised on how we are. We actually went up a hole the other day. So we're, we're, we are stepping it up. I'm excited. Uh, she's in the biggest one that I have. And, and we were like one and one. So now we're like two and one or maybe two and two. Well, I, can so. to- I can totally, I can totally see that, you know, the, the, the girth is, is cut out, you know, around that elbow area. So there's way less rubbing, way less problems. Uh, you know, the, the, the girth fits the horse, right? You know, the, the way the horse is built and, uh, puts the pressure where it's supposed to be keeps it away from where it's not supposed to be and uh, it's just a super product and, and, and we really love the girths. So, Thank you, Justin. Another horse. Thank thanks you. you, Justin. Another horse. Big Mama thanks you. And actually, we are now for our Total Saddle Fit Tip of the Week. We have Captain Lisa Rakes from the Kentucky Horse Park Mounted Police who actually is going to talk a little bit about Hannah, who funny enough is, is Big Mama's daughter. So I hope you enjoy this discussion on, on how um, some different ways to train young horses. Well, this evening, it is my pleasure to have my friend and fellow co-worker. Uh, she's here at the barn a lot. Captain Lisa Rakes on the show. Lisa, welcome. Thank you, Reese. I really appreciate it. Well, we've been talking about having you on the show for several weeks because we had one of my young horses graduate, and you've been working with her since she was a yearling. She, and- yes, she, was, uh, <laughs> she is the perfect little Hannah. She is. She really has become quite a lady um, because of the work you've done with her, really, because I can't say it was me. And um, I really I I asked you to come on the show because I think it's really cool for people to hear sort of different techniques of breaking horses and how we sort of desensitize our horses as dressage horses. So that's what I really wanted to talk about tonight. So uh, let's get started. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll talk about Hana just a bit. Uh, those that type of horse, uh, the sort of the clean slate, uh, so to speak, is probably my favorite type of horse to work with. Uh, and working with them when they're young, I think, is a perfect opportunity. Uh, get them before they get big and can outmuscle you. Uh, and we can take them and kind of mold them uh, where we they're a little little easier to work with. Once they get, once they learn something bad uh, through that repetitive uh, behavior, as they grow older, it just seems more of a challenge to correct and or fix. Uh, so starting them out young and catching them before that behavior really fits in uh, seems to be the best. And for me, that's the most fun. I like uh, I like them when they're young and kind of. Kind of, you just see them grow uh, and see the see the changes in them. 
So Hana is three now, and and we I think you started working with her when she was ah she was pretty young like she, six months. She was pretty yeah she was pretty small. Yeah, which <laughs> I was remember. good. No, yeah, I brought you in. Like she she wouldn't go in the stall. I think right uh, <laughs> that was anymore. the biggest thing. Yes, <laughs> I really knew I needed some help with my young horse when she yeah she wouldn't go in the stall. We were really struggling to lead her, and I just thought that we needed some more professional help. Um, so I, so I asked Lisa to come and, and we've had lots of other horses that we've worked together with. Um, but she, but she was really interesting cause, um, she was the youngest I've ever had you come in. And so, you know, we, you really worked on, and we, you worked on haltering and bridling and all kinds of things. And then as, as time progressed, you worked on trailering. Um, so yep. can you talk a little bit of, kind of about that progression and how you worked with the young horses that way? Sure. Um, the thing about starting them out from the ground, which is what I did with Hannah, because obviously she's six months of age, uh, we want to teach the leadership, uh, sort of a, some leadership there. No different than the, the mare horse would do with the foal. Uh, so usually the horses are much bigger than the human. So what we need to do is make ourselves try to make ourselves as tall or as long as the horse sometimes. So how can we influence their nose when they try to walk over us? Or how can we influence their hind end when they put their butt to us? That's sometimes the, the challenge and the key to being handle, being able to handle a horse from the ground. So when I handle a horse from the ground, a lot of times I'll use a stick. It don't have to be uh, necessarily a certain kind of stick. There are certain ones that I do like to use best. Uh, but the thing about a stick that works good or even a, a, the end of a rope is that if the horse decides to shoulder into me, so say you're leading me down the road or leading me down the barn alley, and he starts to shoulder into you and push you out of the way, if you can learn to control the nose, the horse will go where the nose goes, right? So sometimes the stick or the tip of the rope, I may use that for, to influence the nose to go back the other direction. Uh, and then once they learn to respect your little bubble, your personal space, say your hula hoop that you may have around you, then things become so much easier. And then they learn to stay out of your space. Uh, the same thing for the hind end. Uh, so Hana, one of the challenges we have with her is when she was in the stall uh, and you would go open the door, she would put her butt to the door. And so then in order to go in and halter her, her butt's right there in the way. Well, that's never good for any horse because uh, then they're lined up to give you a kick or, and, and do other things. So we want to teach that horse that when we look at them in a certain way, especially at their butt, that they zip the butt back around and give you two eyes. So when we got their attention, that meant when they give us two eyes, they're focused on us. Uh, and they're just much easier to handle. So if you're, again, if you're leading that horse down the barn or down the arena or outside and the horse starts to maybe pull on you and pull past you, you learn to influence that hind end. And when you get that hind end to disengage, it takes the power away. So you can bring that horse back around much easier. So he doesn't take you skiing when you're lunging him, uh, <laughs> as, as often happens to, uh, to us. Uh, yeah. So we want to try to, you know, control those body parts as much as we can. Lisa, I was wondering if we could just take a step back and you could talk to us about, um, you know, your background and how you came to be a, you know, so an expert uh, about this, you know, kind of in hand training and, and horse starting. Where where did that start for you? 
Uh, well, I don't consider myself an expert. I feel like I learn something every day. Uh, with that said, I have been uh, working with police horses since 1996. Uh, I got into, uh, I started out with a thoroughbred, trying to make a thoroughbred into a police horse, which at some point in time you figure out is probably not the best thing, <laughs> you know, but you're young, you don't really know, you're going by what history the guys before you have always done. Uh, so, you know, now we don't rely as much on thoroughbreds. Then it's a thoroughbred country and that's what we use. But, uh, so at some point after my first year or two of, uh, having little accidents happen, <laughs> I realized that, you know, I need to do something different here. Maybe it's not all the horse's fault. So maybe I got to look at how am I training the horse. Horse is a horse. All and all horses are different, but you know it boils down to the kind of all the same. They all respect the same body language. So maybe I need to change myself. I need to train myself to do different things to influence their behavior. Uh, so I probably got into that maybe around 2000, uh, figuring out that you know I need to do more groundwork with my horse before I think about getting on him. Uh, one of the here's here's one of the tests that I just never, I, I just, it's something that is, I just do because it's a safe thing to do. If I take my horse up to a mountain block and I'm going to ride him and the horse cannot sit still for me to get on, or if I'm going to mount him from the ground and he cannot sit still for me to put my foot in the stirrup, clue, the horse is not ready for me to get on. So right. then I take that horse and I do a few things with him on the ground get his mind, get his attention. If he's high on adrenaline, I get some of that adrenaline out before I get on him, and then I'll try again. Um, but So I learn things through that process, uh, and, and, then, and then every day, every time I work with a new horse, I feel like I learn just a little bit something different. Um, so now we're working with uh, three foals, uh, six weeks, eight weeks, and three months that are orphans, and th they're just adorable and but at the same time they need leadership so i can't be afraid but you know i want to give them hugs and kisses and cuddle them but at the same time i can't be afraid to reach out and bite them just as the mother horse would uh if they decide to do something bad so but yep uh so my history uh police work i was hired as a police officer in 1990 Started police horses in '96, and uh, and I'm still uh, riding police horses and working police horses and helping my friend Reese and some other folks that I know on the side. And Lisa is awesome at, at what she does. And and so Lisa, let's talk a little bit about how how we deal with some of the other horses you know, that we've worked with here at the farm. Um, some spooky ones, or even uh, you know we've had horses that are spooky that Lisa comes to work with, or even um, we've had some riders that are fearful. And we've been very successful with Lisa uh, working with them to sort of help with their fears. So can we talk a little bit about that, Lisa? Yeah. Um, sometimes with the riders, they're in a way, I feel like sometimes the riders are more of a challenge <laughs> than the horse, if that makes any sense. Because yeah. we, the humans, uh, we're sometimes set in our ways. And it's hard to kind of change our behavior. Because uh, we, 
And a lot of times we're older, maybe, and we have always done it this way. <laughs> and it's hard to change to a, a, a different way. Uh, but if if we can learn sometimes how to do things just slightly different. Uh, and then the other part of that pie is it takes time. A lot of us uh, want to just get in the saddle and saddle up and go. Uh, and groundwork um, takes a little more time. Uh, that maybe we have because we're ready for a lesson or we've got to hurry up and get to the show. Um, so the riders are a little bit more of a, a challenge sometimes, I feel. But we can do, we can still work on um, fixing ourselves um, with with learning these different body cues and how to teach the horse to um, respect us more as a leader because that's really what it boils down to. He'll He'll try, it, the horse will um, try little tricks to do what he wants to do, uh, and it's just up to us to read that and kind of catch it early enough. Uh, and then as far as horses, just different types of little problems that, uh, like Reese, I helped with uh, Hana doing the trailer loading. Mm -hmm. uh, so a lot of times we don't necessarily think trailer loading is that big a deal. Uh, sometimes we'll spend an hour getting them in the trailer every time we go to the show. <laughs> They're the yeah. same way every time. It takes an hour to load them. <laughs> but if we would just take a day or maybe 30 minutes, seven times, seven different times, 30 minutes, then uh, that horse, when it does come time to go to the show, the horse will just load perfectly. And I think, Reese, you saw that with Hana. Oh, yeah. I probably spent, what, right. 30 minutes uh, just yeah. working on the trailer, and I probably did it, you know, I, I would do it a day here, a day there. A month later, I might would do a little more. And if you probably added it all up, I bet we didn't work on the trailer, but maybe seven or eight different times. And it was right. like 30 minutes here, 30 minutes there. And then when it comes time, Reese, for you to load her up and go, uh, I think great. you told me she just walked straight on in. <laughs> well, and I think um, that's a huge, a huge deal that, you know, we, we take for granted sometimes with the horses and I, I'm like, it's actually a huge pet peeve of mine. And, and I knew that I didn't have the time or patience really to do, to work with Hannah. So I brought Lisa, you know, Lisa had been consistently working with her and it was, it was great. And we, you know, even had some wonderful clients. She would load in my trailer and then she would load in some clients trailer. So she got a lot of experience in, in step ups and ramps and big trailers, little trailers. Uh, and, and that was really, really helpful. And yeah, now she loads like a superstar. No problem. No problem at all. She goes right in, which is great. Yeah. But it, it does take that time to do that. Right. Yeah. And we got to recognize the, uh, the, you know, uh, the little things. You know, we don't want to, we want to make the wrong act uncomfortable for them. We want them to find the open door, so to speak. Um, and, and when the, for instance, fly spray. So a lot of horses, you go put flash spray on them, and what do they do? They dance around. They, you know, they won't fit deal because, oh, they're afraid of the flash spray. Uh, but if, when they do move their feet, if, if when they move their feet, a lot of times we'll quit spraying. So then the horse learns, oh, wait, that bad, that bad flash spray that's scary to me, all I had to do was run sideways and quit, <laughs> you know, so... We have to look to, to re-strategize and think, you know what? That's probably not the right thing to do. We need to keep on spraying that fly spray 
and let the horse stay in a tight little circle to where it can't get away from it until it stops moving its feet. And then we take the scary thing away. So then, so then the horse learns to not, when he stops moving his feet, he's not afraid of it anymore. Uh, so that's one of the, just a, a little, little uh, one of the little ways, why, the way we do it, as far as teaching them not to become afraid of something. That's awesome. I mean, do you have another little tip or something that you see really common in, in riders where they make the same sort of mistakes that, that uh, is, you know, fairly straightforward and easy, easy well, to fix? Well, a lot of times, uh, for instance, you know, you get on. The first thing to do, your butt hits the saddle, you're on a high adrenaline horse, and then he just wants to go. So we let him go. Uh, we may let them go in large around the arena circles and they're really pulling at the bit. They want to go faster than we want them to go. And they're, it almost feels like you're sitting waiting for an explosion to happen. Uh, yeah. And we're trying to hold them back because they really want to go. So I look at it the other way. If the horse really wants to go, you know what? It's better just to let them go. Now, am I going to take off flying around the arena? No way, Jose. I'm going to put the <laughs> horse in a tight circle. Now, it won't be so tight that he'll fall down. But I want to make the circle small enough that it's a little uncomfortable for him, and I'm going to let him move his feet. When we keep them from moving their feet when they're on that adrenaline, that's when an explosion is likely to occur. They're, they're either going to rear up, they're going to run sideways, or they're going to do something. Uh, because they can't move their feet. That's their only outlet. So I'm going to let the horse move its feet. I might put him in a tight circle, and I may ask him to uh, trot real fast, and I'll change gait or I'll change direction, make canter a few steps. But I want to do a frequent change to where I get him thinking about me as the rider as opposed to just running mindless circles and thinking about how he wants to be on the other side of the fence or he wants to be back over at the barn where his buddies are. Uh, and I want to get him to thinking about me. I may, I may rein him back, you know, back him up six or seven paces, and then I may disengage your hindquarters and go off in another direction and do things real sort of snappy uh, to keep his mind engaged. And once we can get him to become a little in tune with us, realize that we are actually controlling his feet that we're the leader of the little team of two that we have, me and him, uh, then he'll start paying more of attention. He'll blow out, release some of that stress he's got going on, and calm down and be a little more easy to work with. It sounds like you're just directing the energy into something that you want to do rather than, you know, just stopping exactly. or halting or, you know, doing something with all that, all that energy that the horse has. That, I mean, you're exactly right. We want to make uh, our idea his idea. We just got to figure out how to do it. Yeah. That's a great tip. I thank you a lot for that. <laughs> we're good. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. This, these were awesome tips for all of us to remember and to use. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really been a very interesting journey learning how to do some of the groundwork that we do. And it's been, it's been fantastic. And we have really produced some very, very nice young horses um, that, that are well-behaved. And uh, we do work together on older horses as well, so it, uh, on trailer yep. loading and all kinds of things. So, Lisa, thank you so much for your time. And uh, if our listeners want to learn more about uh, you and, and, and your methods, how can they find you online? Um, 
I don't think uh, I don't think I'm out there as far as on a website. Uh, so maybe they can just talk to you. <laughs> okay, that sounds great. But, they can uh, give me yeah. give me a call at reset uh, or an email. Yeah, an email at reset horseradio network dot com, and I can Perfect. help you get in touch with Lisa. Thanks yes, so much, Lisa, right. for your time. Well, as always, we love email and Facebook shout outs. And uh, I'm going to give a shout out to Vana. Uh, I actually saw her today at the horse park. There was the, um, oh, it was a rally. It was a pony club rally, dressage rally. And we were working on qualifying for the championships. And she asked a great question about young riders and development. Uh, but we're going to save that for the next show because we've had quite a great show today, huh, Philip? It's been a long show. <laughs> it's been a long <laughs> I like it. I, okay, I like it, but I'm getting tired. And everybody knows. Tired. Well, not everybody knows, but when I when I start to get tired at the end of the show, then the zone out thing happens, and then yeah, it's, it's if, not good. If you've ever listened to our bloopers, it's always Philip zoning out. So uh, yeah, yeah. But most <laughs> yeah. of the bloopers are Philip. Seventy percent okay. of the bloopers is just me not being around anymore. Philip. Philip. So you'll have to listen to the blooper reel. And and I know that um, listeners can can go online and be part of that and and get into that segment by becoming a friend of the show. So um, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. You can find me at philipparksequestrian.com and my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a show today. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back and we'll talk to you next week. And for all of you hoping to hear from Olivia LaGoya-Welts on today's show, I want to apologize. Due to a post-production problem, we were not able to bring you that interview, but fear not. We'll have her on a show coming up soon.